This is Mark Tremonti, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. You know where they are. Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 347. My name is Brando. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Mark Tremonti. How are you, sir? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, now that I'm talking to you, you may not remember because I know you're on a whole press tour now with the Sinatra record, which I can't wait to get into with you. But just real shortly at the beginning of quarantine, you might have been my first interview. So now you can see we're on Zoom. I have like a home like setup. I had nothing. I was interviewing you with a cell phone held up to a laptop, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to interview you. <laughs> so, uh, right. yeah. One of the good outcomes of COVID is setting up cool home studios. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's the segue into everything. You know, I actually just watched again because I'm I'm just blown away about a lot of what you've done in your career, which is why I'm excited to talk to you. But your voice for for Sinatra, and I can't wait to hear the rest. Like, how did that start? And and for those who don't know, and you're going to be honestly really surprised because I knew you had a good voice you're a musician, you're in a band, but to hit the Sinatra voice, it was one of those, like I had to pause and make sure I was watching the right video and being like, is this like a cover band or no, I, I clicked Mark Tremonti. So that's coming out. Um, uh, the album is a Tremonti sings Sinatra coming out May 27th. But right now you can see the video for, uh, I got you under my skin. So did that kind of start at home? Maybe I guess, how did that whole project begin? And I know it ties in with your daughter, your beautiful daughter. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, about, you know, through my whole life, I've been a big fan of Frank Sinatra's. His voice, his, his songs just always put me in a good mood. And then Christmas time would come along and I'd sing along to his songs and it just kind of felt like home. You know, it just felt like his range was suited my voice. So about three years ago, I had this night where I was on YouTube, couldn't fall asleep. And I ran into some old Sinatra videos and it chill bump moments um, I was always a fan, but never like a crazy fan. And I became a crazy fan in an instant. And, uh, it's like, you know what? I want to sing just like this. So I, uh, I, I think the video itself was the song is you that he performed back in, I think 1943. And you see this young Frank Sinatra who looks almost shy on stage. And as soon as he opened his mouth to sing, it's just like, wow, you know, this, this, he had it from a young age. And from there I went down the rabbit hole. Um, tried to learn as much as I could about him, read all the books, watched all the movies, sang, 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 and sang along to his stuff. And I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And then my daughter was diagnosed with Down syndrome before she was born. And I had read in books that Frank Sinatra had raised over a billion dollars for charity. So I was like, you know what? This is all meant to be. There's a reason for for my obsession. I'm going to raise money um, singing a Frank Sinatra record for Down syndrome. And then I brought it up to my manager it was like, you know, funny enough, my guitar teacher growing up was Dan McIntyre, who toured with Frank Sinatra. So then we got the introductions to the Frank Sinatra band, and, um, you know, we, we uh, recorded a record. You know, it is 
so cool because I, even I have a, a connection to Frank Sinatra. I, I'm too young to have seen him live, but there's a family bond there. Uh, I used to, uh, I'm in Queens right now, but I temporarily lived with my, my grandparents when they were alive in Mill Basin, Brooklyn, taking care of them when they got older. And all they watched was, you know, Turner Classic movies. That's all they do. Yeah. And I remember my grandma would always say, Frank Sinatra, she was an old Jewish woman. She, he was mm-hmm. even better actor than a singer. We would watch all of his movies. She had no idea what a uh, computer was. My grandpa actually asked me one day what the internet was. How do you even respond with that? But I'm like, you know what? Let's watch Frank Sinatra. We would sit out on their porch. I would put on old concerts of Frank. And my, my grandma would be like, oh, I remember this one. You know, and it was just really sweet and cool. So uh, for you to be able to do this is just really special because yeah, I'm a, I'm a rocker just like you. I got my ears pierced. I, you know, I got facial hair. I'm yeah. and it's interesting because Frank has always been cool though for the rockers. So yeah. I, it was almost a perfect fit, I guess though, with, with that, with that question, because while you could sing, how did you know, like, did you know you can croon, right? To use that word? Cause that, that's a different style of singing. You know, I felt, you know, I, when I would go and, and, I remember going to like Christmas parties and whatnot, and there'd be karaoke going on. And I'm dreaming, you know, it's Bing Crosby, you know, but still that lower mm. crooning stuff, I felt good about it. You know, it, it wasn't, uh, when I'm singing rock, I'm always singing way at top of my range and barely hitting notes and screaming like a caveman to, to sing. And when you sing like that, you can't really command your voice like you can when you're singing in your almost like your speaking voice. Frank, Frank Sinatra kind of sang where he, where he talked. You know, and his voice, his range suited mine very well. So I felt like, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes in your head, you feel like you might be good at something, but you're like, maybe other people don't think I'm as good as I think I am. And, you know, because I practice and I practice and I practice. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I feel good about this. Hopefully when I record it, it sounds, sounds good. And I hope the Frank Sinatra band uh, appreciates it because, they had never heard me sing before we got into the studio. I mean, because I was just watching the, the video you have up on your YouTube, um, kind of the whole message of the overall project, and you were talking to the leader of Frank Sinatra's band, and I'm just thinking, like, you must be under the amount of pressure, because those guys, they've seen it all. They've been around Frank Sinatra. I mean, while I could be in awe of Mark Tremonti, they're probably like, eh, who cares, you know, but... To, uh-huh. To do your homework, that was the word that they used. They were impressed by you. And they didn't, when they did the research, I'm like, who is this guy? What kind of music does he sing? You know, and then he's welcoming, uh, you're going into their world. Um, is there anything that maybe that wasn't on the video that, because uh, I encourage people to, to, to do watch and go to your YouTube, uh, YouTube page, that maybe that first conversation, maybe we were like, no, this isn't going to work. Why, why, how can we, because again, you're not even just getting a band. You're getting Frank Sinatra's touring band. Was it an immediate yeah. yes that we'll do this? Or was it like, eh, I don't know. No, it was, uh, it was a lot of work. You know, it was, we climbed a mountain to get this project done. You know, so it first started out with my obsession and me singing it and feeling good about it. And then it, um, getting the, a meeting with Mike Smith, Frank Sinatra's band leader, and Dan McIntyre, his guitar player, convincing them that it was a good idea. Once they were convinced... They still had not heard me sing. My manager hadn't heard me sing Frank Sinatra. Hmm. But being my manager, they asked, can your boy sing? And he was like, of course he can, because he's my manager. <laughs> right. So I sent my manager a vocal. Uh, um, I, I remember I was on my phone, 
And he had, I'm like, all right, they call you Lady Luck. And I sang it to him over the phone. And he's like, okay, yeah, I knew you could do it. You know? <laughs> That's all he so needed. So, so he sets up, uh, sets up the meeting. And then the guys were like, all right, it's one thing if we want to do it. But you got to get approvals from the fan, from the estate to do this, to use, to use his name and likeness on a project. Right. It's near impossible. Uh, so my manager called, uh, you know, called the folks and called Charles Pannon, who runs the, the business. And he's like, you know, no, we don't people. We get 100 calls a month to do this kind of thing. Exactly. No, can't, can't do it. Um, so then by the third and fourth calls, I think he had said, you know, we're, we're using the band that toured with Fr- Frank. These guys toured with Frank. Uh, and we're doing this for charity. It's for a good cause. And um, I think once he heard the first couple recordings that we did, uh, he had called my manager and I think he had said, yeah, the band really, really likes, likes Mark and uh, we'll go ahead with this. Uh, but then it came to a point where we started recording and uh, I had done some outside um uh, arranging with with uh, some some folks outside of the Sinatra camp to bring in charts, and uh, the guys when I brought in the charts were like, "Let's just do the the way they're meant to be done, you know? We let's do them the way Frank would do them." So once we got in there, I was like, "All right, yeah, sounds good to me." So we did "Under My Skin" and "Fly Me to the Moon" and "Luck Be a Lady" the way Frank Sinatra would have did them. But then, you know, the Sinatra states pretty much to to get the support we had to come up with different versions of these songs, at least, a, at least about half the record had to be different. So, mm-hmm. uh, cause we want to get this record played on seriously Sinatra radio. We want to, we want to get the support of the family. So we did, we took my way, which I didn't really necessarily want to do in the first place. Cause it's too popular of a song. Okay. Um, so we did it with a nylon string guitar approach and made it a very different version than the, than the normal version. Um, we took all or nothing at all and jazzed it and made it a swing version of that. We did the same thing with the song as you. Um, we took I fall in love too easily, which is just done on a piano. We added a rhythm section to it. Um, we took the wee small hours in the morning and put a swing section all through that bridge that, that doesn't exist in the normal version. So we did, we changed this enough to, to get the support from the family and, but to get this to the finish line was no easy task. It was a lot of, a lot of work. And, um, you know, I'm just so happy that it's finally coming out. It's cause there's a lot of moments where this might not happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of those moments. And I would ask what was, cause yeah, there were probably a lot of points where you were discouraged and be like, this isn't going to work, but I got to imagine what kept you going is the picture right behind you, your daughter, Stella. Yeah. Oh yeah. The picture right next to me too. <laughs> I love it. The blow up yeah. picture. How old is she now? Yeah. She's 14 months. 14 months. Well, Mazel yeah. Tov. Congratulations. Thank um, you very much. So do you sing, because one day you're obviously, she's too young to know the story. Um, and, and perhaps within this, you can tell her story a little bit and, and why it inspired you. But you're going to have to tell her this story one day of, of all oh, the yeah. things that you, with this record that was inspired by her. And you also, with that, do you sing Sinatra to her? Like, is that you? Good. Cool. Every day. Yeah. So, you know, I knew I was going to do this project before she was born because we got the diagnosis when she was in the womb. So, um, so usually our daily thing here is my wife wakes up with my older sons at about 630 in the morning, gets them off to school. 
comes back to bed with the baby and then the baby wakes up around eight. And that's when I get up with the baby until about noon when she takes a nap. So those first few hours of the day, it's just me and her and I'm practicing my Sinatra stuff with her in her nursery. You know, I'll just put, I'll just put the phone on her bed and I'll just sing along and she'll just smile. You know, mm-hmm. as soon as I uh, start singing, she smiles. There's some songs she doesn't like. Um, <laughs> she doesn't like Buck Be a Lady. <laughs> Uh, if I sing that song to her still to this day, they call you Lady Luck. So she'll uh, like, that's funny. She doesn't like, I fall in love too easily. She doesn't like the melancholy song. She likes, she likes the song is you is her favorite song. Okay. She loves wave. That's another one of her favorite. When you go to good, that low <laughs> note on that song, she's, she's all smiles, but um, she's used to it. She loves it. That's, I think it's going to be her comfort music when she grows up you mm. know my other kids were in, in the womb listening to metal all the time um and uh but i think she's she's more going to be the big band girl i love that what do your other kids think about you doing this is it uh they i think they the more they grow up the more they realize what it is you know when they're when they were younger they'd be sitting at the venues with playing video games on whatever device they had on the side of the stage and i think as they grow up uh, as their friends realize what's going on, they, they think it's cooler. I think they love getting on tour buses and getting to see the world. Um, they've seen more before the age of 10 than I saw in my entire life up mm. until 30, you know, so they, they've experienced a lot of life. And uh, it's just a shame though, that most of their friends at that age aren't rock fans. They're um, they listen to whatever popular music is out there and they watch sports, you know, I, they're, they're not the type of kids to have posters on their walls like we were when we were younger, you know. Not um, even Sinatra is the cool factor for them yet. I, they're not as familiar with Sinatra as as we would be growing up with it our whole lives. They've grown up with it to a, to an extent, but there's such an oversaturation of of entertainment these days. Yeah, they're not listening to Frank Sinatra. They hear Sinatra because I pour it down. I I put it in their face every day. They hear it in the car. My poor son, Pearson, hmm. uh, would have to listen to it every single day going to soccer practice for a 45 minute drive there and 45 minute drive back. And I'd practice it in the car while he was at practice. So if there's anybody in the world that knows these songs as well as I do, it's Pearson. My son. <laughs> I, I love that. Actually on that note with you kind of, um, stepping into your comfort zone and, bringing attention to a lot of different things. I mean, not like Sinatra needs attention, maybe to the younger generation as we established, but all the charity work that you're doing for the NDSS. And you put out in the video that I, I, I shared on social media, and again, it's on your YouTube channel. You want to put out a challenge to other <laughs> artists that to step out of their comfort zone and raise something for charity. And I love, I mean, I love when people do that anyway, like when D. Snyder went Broadway, uh, uh, Scott Weiland singing Christmas songs. It's always cool, but especially when there's a mission behind it, you know, that we all can get around. It just makes the feeling even better. Um, since this is Appetite for Distortion, and I'm wondering, you know, I obviously you know Miles Kennedy, and he has the six degrees of GNR Bacon. You know Slash. I don't know how familiar you are with Duff. Maybe put out a challenge to one of them. Maybe Slash does a country song. Maybe Miles does a rap. I don't know. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm only I'm spitballing here, but like a challenge well, or is there an artist, an, uh, you know, another artist that you want to challenge to do something well, like this? Funny enough, um, Slash was the first 
person to come out and support this cause. You know, he was, um, you know, when we were first thinking about how are we going to market this and how are we going to get it to, to, for a lot of people to um, know about it, um, Slash was nice enough to listen to the record and give us this glowing review of it, you know, and, and uh, you know, and said how important it is to him because he grew up with an uncle with Down syndrome. And um, he's, uh, you know, just been so nice about this project. So he's definitely somebody I would love to see participate. And it doesn't have to be a whole record. It could be one song. Right. Yeah, um, I agree with and, that. Uh, it could be anything, anything that raises money for charity. Uh, Duff, you know, I did a tour with, with Duff. Uh, uh, I don't know how many, we might have done a dozen shows or something, but the super nice guy, but I don't know. I don't know him uh, personally very well. I think Miles knows the guys way better than I do, but um, uh, we've already, you know, put the word out there. You know, it could be an athlete. It could be an actor. It could be a country band, a metal band, whoever it is. I want to diversify to get as many people as possible to do the take a chance, uh, chance for charity. You know, and if, if people are hearing this about this for the first time, they can just go to Tremonti Singh Sinatra.com and there's the directions on how you can yourself take a chance for charity. And you could be somebody with 10 followers on Instagram and do it, you know, go get our link, paste it to a, to a project. It could be funny. It could be serious. It could be anything you want it to be as long as it's raising money for charity. Um, I've already got uh, Larry, the cable guy. It's a good friend of mine doing a project. Um, spoke with Chris Daughtry about doing a project. Um, Blackstone Cherry uh, Edge, the wrestler. Oh, cool. Steve uh, Stevens, uh, Lone Star, the country band. Uh, you know, Blackstone Cherry talk, have, have reached out. So it's, I wanted to keep on spreading. You know, I want to keep on getting as diverse people as possible to, to do this project. And I want it to become like the ice bucket challenge. You beat me to it. I was just about to say that. I was just about to yeah. say that, but something cooler, you know, um, I guess not literally cooler because that would be the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> uh, uh, it would be a, a forever thing, you know, wouldn't be a one and done. You, you did this thing, which is nice, you know, raise awareness for, of course, anything, you know, ALS in that case. Uh, mm-hmm. But to forever have this record on tape that you can not listen and watch with your daughter for for forever, I think is so cool. So, yeah, I mean, if, if Slash did a... I don't know, a one-off banjo solo, I mean, for charity or something. Any, anything, you know, because I know Slash is a busy guy and all. everybody, you know, everybody in the entertainment world with a platform uh, worth making a big change is, is busy. And I yeah. am, but I think a lot of people are like me and it's like, where's, where's your time better spent than, than, you know, when you see the cause and effect of how, what this can change. It's one thing, you know, it's one thing becoming a, a support for your family and doing well for your kids and this and that. But when you can go in an organization and see all these people that you're changing their lives of, you know, when you, when you go to an event, a down syndrome fundraiser, and you see all these, these wonderful people and you, you, you just want to help them as soon as you, you see, you know, because there's, there'll, there'll never be a cure for down syndrome. Um, but there's, there, there are many ways to assist um, folks to, to, to have more independent lives, to, to be able to communicate better as children, you know, that the speech therapies, the physical therapies, um, there's different challenges that folks with Down syndrome have, um, that, that aren't necessarily something that they're other, that otherwise that they would have. So it's good to have these opportunities and NDSS, 
you know, we, we hand over all the money goes straight to them because they know how to spend it. They know the best ways to help and um, take a chance for charity initially will be for NDSS. But in the long run, I'd like it to be for um, everybody's charity. Like if, if somebody steps up to do this, say it's Paul McCartney, but, but, Paul, but Paul McCartney has wants to raise money for for some sort of cancer, you know, tell your story of why it means that much to you because somebody in your life was affected by it. I'd like to see almost like an American Idol thing where you see the story before somebody performs and you're rooting for them because because it's a heartfelt cause. You know, these people are there and they've been through these struggles and you want to see them succeed. I want this to turn into something like that where you hear people's stories and why they're supporting these these uh, these charities. And then you see the project and hopefully you're blown away with how different it is. Well, that uh, accurately describes this project thus far. And I got to say, I, I don't have kids yet. Um, but as I guess as a child with um, I don't have my I can't show you my leg braces right now, but and uh-huh. I can show you my handicap tattoo. I have uh-huh. de- demyelinating peripheral neuropathy. It's kind of like um, a neurological MS, if that makes any sense. So yeah. just knowing what my parents have gone through, I mean, I'm okay now. I'm, you know, getting married in a month. But I mean, for, for like a while, it's very, you know, when you're a kid and you're different, it's just very different. Yeah. All you have sometimes are your parents. And mm-hmm. knowing that she has had that support before she was even born, you know, she's just, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're meant to be a dad. You're meant to do this with Frank Sinatra. So this is just a... Uh, Super cool. I know um, I don't want to get too mushy. So before you get out of here, I want to get because people are excited to hear from you again. If you don't mind me asking you a couple fan questions. Absolutely. Um, this is, and speaking of, we were just talking about Slash. And we did talk about this a little bit last time. This is from uh, Satya from Canada. Have you, uh, have you played any new pinball machines? Because we know Slash is a major pinball guy, and you guys, you guys have talked shop about that. So any new pinball oh, yeah. in your life? Absolutely. I'm actually, um, I, I'm a pinball fanatic and I'm actually partnering up on some future pinball projects. So keep an eye out. I, I, I can't just, dis- I can't discuss what they are because they're all top secret. Okay. But, um, I have, uh, the newest machine I have is the new rush machine. Um, the rush LE, which is a great machine. Um, but, uh, before that, you know, I got the, the new Godzilla machine, which is amazing. Speaking of guns and roses, I got to play the new machine with Eric Muner, who's the, uh, the the designer and developer of that machine. And I'm good friends with Jersey Jack and the, and the folks at, at Stern Pinball. You know, those are my two, Stern and Jersey Jack. I'm friendly with, with both those companies, and I, I love them. Um, Chicago Gaming is another great company that that's coming out with. I'm, I'm waiting. I've got an order in for Cactus Canyon LE. Uh, so I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting that. Oh, you'll appreciate this then. Cause I, just like with this, I interviewed Eric Munay or Munir or whatever, um, over, over zoom, but my fiance is from Chicago. So we made a detour to Elk Grove to visit Jersey, Jersey Jack and to see how nice. they're made. So Eric gave me this. He gave me one of the, uh, side panels. Oh yeah. Nice. That's great. Yeah. We'd be like Vanna White each other. Yeah, and it's such such some the artwork on that machine is insane. Yeah, from uh, Arian Bueller does a lot. He's been a part of the show. He does a lot of those lithographs. So uh, very cool. I should have wore my Jersey Jack shirt. You know, but hey, man, I'm I'm a as much as I'm a fanatic of Sinatra, I'm a fanatic of pinball. When I, when I get into something, I go 
I go deep. <laughs> oh, that's what she said. Sorry, I, I, I couldn't help it. That was so bad. No, I, I, left, I left it out. I left it out there. I know. I should. I should end the interview right now. But I, I can't because this is um, Luca from Greece. He loves you too, and some things that you can geek out about as well. Uh, are you planning to write another fiction book? A Dying Machine was amazing, so I would love to read more from him. This is from Luca again from from Greece. Yeah, you know that's uh, that's something I'm working on currently. I, I'm rewriting Di- a dying machine, uh, trying to get a publishing deal. It's just it's just the publishing world takes a long time. So fingers crossed that that happens. But I've got another story on deck, and uh, I tell this story at parties and stuff, and all my friends are like, "I like that way more than Dying Machine." Even I wanted I wanted you to do this. It's called the Sand Runner, um, and it's a uh, futuristic sci-fi meets i don't know it's, it's hard to explain it's all, it's a little bit of a little bit of mad max a little bit of uh indiana jones a little bit of i don't know it's got it's got a bunch of stuff going on all right well you got me sold i mean nice. what can't you do i mean it's it was very interesting to see the amount of i don't want to say doubt maybe concern or just knowing the task ahead of you with sinatra but just look what I mean, I used this analogy before. Look at the amount of crayons in your crayon box. You have you're, you have so much to work with. You're not just a rock, you know, a rocker. There's so many other things that make up uh, Mark Tremonti. So that's why it was I a, ple- th- you know, a pleasure to talk with you again. So I, I, I thank you again for your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I love, you know, all, all those doubts that you're talking about. I love hearing them because that's that's the whole uh essence of this prod is take a chance for charity. I want people to doubt the next person that does this and say, you know, uh, what's this going to be like? I want, I want that, that wow, that shock factor to happen. Okay. I, uh, see, maybe um, talk to Slash about playing the violin, talk to Miles about maybe doing some beatboxing, something crazy. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, absolutely. I, I'd also like to keep, keep up with the, um, the partnership of new artists performing with these legendary older bands, like, mm. you know, for an example, like getting, getting miles to sing with earth, wind and fire or something like that, you know, with, with, with original band members. And that's just, I'm just, that's not talked about, but okay, uh, that's just an example of off the top of my head, the kind of project that I'd like to see happen. Okay. Awesome. Now I'm even more excited. We'll talk more about miles and, you know, I'm playing, uh, you know, September next time around. Uh, Absolutely. thank you again for your time. And until the next one. Thanks, Mark. Awesome. Thank you. See you, man. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. If you are watching this on our YouTube page, you got to see the appearance of my missing tooth or my front teeth. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep complaining about it until I get the implant you know, later in uh, later this year. It's just, uh, I don't know, it stinks because I hear it. I know most of you, you say you don't hear it. It's all in my head, but I hear it. And that's why, you know, pulling back a little bit on the interviews. But again, if you have a chance to interview a big name like Mark Tremonti, I don't care. You know, slash sell seashells by the seashore with Snake Pit. I mean, I don't care if I have a little lisp there uh, to interview somebody cool. And I was going to start doing fan reviews. Yeah, the Guns N' Roses were supposed to play their first show at Welcome to Rockville. And I'm sure you know, it got rained out. I was going to have a couple fans... On the podcast, uh, let me just give them a shout out because they deserve it. Uh, Des Arcane, uh, he was sending me some. Actually, he sent me, and Des said this about Welcome to Rockville with it being rained out. He goes, the real story 
is that promoters let fans back in at 8.30. But knowing, obviously knowing the weather was going to cause a cancellation, they made a few more bucks. Well, we all got fucked in the ass. That's that's his words. Uh, GNR stage crew was uh, sound checking, and we expected Axel any minute. Uh, then they pulled the plug. So that just absolutely sucks. And uh, also got to thank, he's not an official member of Appetite for Distortion, but if you ask Loudwire, he is, uh, Kevin Peebles. So Kevin tweeted a photo, which um, he sent me a photo in a DM, and I asked if I could share it, and I quoted him on attacking his, his, uh, his Twitter, Ask KP. And he was, it's a picture of him pretty close to the stage, and you start, you see the beginning of... Uh, what Guns N' Roses has as far as their, their video um, entrance, you know, like all the, the cool graphics and CGI stuff. And, you know, so he's pretty close uh, on on the ground. But he writes this, this close to it happening. Crew set the stage. They were clearly rushing to get set so they could play. Spitting with rain, but then the lightning came. They cleared us out and the rain is now the worst I've ever seen. Just a bummer for everyone who went down there. You know, whether you went down there just to see Guns N' Roses on a whim and you're not from Daytona or just the locals in the area. Just a, just a bummer, man. So it seems like the next show, the first Guns N' Roses show, is going to be in Portugal. So let's see if we can get a fan review for that. Okay, so that's, again, that's something that I would like to do. If you're going to any Guns N' Roses shows coming up, hopefully none are canceled. I mean, I know you can't control the weather, but... We live in a world where GNR shows are only canceled because of weather, not because of Axel. These are good things. Take the positive. So, again, if you are going to any of the shows in South America or Europe and you want to take part of this podcast and do a fan review with my lisp, let's do it. Hit me up on Twitter, at the AFD Podcast, on Facebook, uh, the AFD Show, or Instagram, Appetite for Distortion. Any of those ways, email to the AFD show at gmail.com. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon. All right. And as far as upcoming guests, keep checking back on social media, how you can ask questions, how you can participate in episodes. And that's how the conversation continues in between the broadcasts. Okay. And also, please check out our YouTube page. Nearly every day, I am posting just old classic clips from Appetite for Distortion, interviews you've forgotten about, guests that we've forgotten about, and just throwing up a lot of cool pictures up there for your viewing and listening pleasure. Please follow and subscribe, as they say. That does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. security, I'm going home.